The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. So yesterday we talked to Chris Cromwell, who's a spokesperson for Gold Hunt, where you search for clues around your community and you can find buried treasure worth $100,000. And and in a lot of ways, today's topic is, is similar. It's you're hunting for treasure in a different way, the antique kind of treasure, right? Yeah, the antiques, the collectibles, the, the rare finds that uh, everybody hopes to, to come across at some point. And it takes, in my opinion, it takes a certain eye to find such treasures amidst what often is a lot of old, old things, but not maybe not necessarily valuable things. And here to break it down and tell us about his pretty cool business is Alex Archbold, owner and curator of Curiosity, Inc. Hi, Alex. Hi, guys. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. So, Alex, we we know that this is not something that you just kind of fell into. You've been doing this since you were, how old, nine? Nine years old. Tell yeah, us, tell us about the little... The little nine-year-old Alex hunting for antiques. Uh, well, I used to ride around my neighborhood in the summertime uh, on my bicycle, and I was looking for, you know, little things that I thought were cool. And the stuff that always attracted me were the antiques. In that time, being nine years old, antique toys always caught my eye. They were metal. They felt like they were better quality somehow. They really drew me. And I started buying them, and then finding out that they were more valuable, and it sort of turned into a little side business at the age of nine, setting up an antique show, buying and selling old toys. Alex, at nine years old, or maybe it wasn't until you were 10, what was that first incredible item that you that you maybe even wanted to hang on to that you stumbled across, and where did you find it? Uh, I remember finding a uh, shoebox full of Red Lion Hot Wheels at a, at a yard sale in Riverbend, and I remember, I, I think I paid a dollar for the whole box. And at that time, you know, they were collectible, but they weren't as valuable as they are now. But I think I got like $100, and that was a pretty good return, you know, at that age. I felt pretty proud of myself. <laughs> uh, that was the first one that really stands out. I also, at, at that point, had found a, uh, uh, an estate sale, garage sale situation, and they were selling off um, antique box sets of coins at face value. And they were solid silver, and they were from the 1900s to 20s, and they were selling a lot. It said 25 cents. It was 25 cents. So <laughs> uh, it worked out really well. I remember buying $20 worth, and they gave me a whole bunch of extra ones, too. So I got money for less than face value. And I used that to go and buy a little scooter. So you had you were a little entrepreneur. Did, did your family, do you, do you think there was ever an inkling that, that your childhood passion would lead you to where you are today with your own business doing the very same thing? Uh... Well, you know, my mom is not a collector by any means. My dad was. Uh, he was. He collected uh, records. And but, you know, I think that they often just look for things that that were useful for around the house. And I think I was the odd one out who was looking for the unusual and strange. <laughs> if I share anything with that, I guess it would be my dad. He collected too. Alex, once you got that scooter, did you start to become known in the neighborhoods? I mean, were you going around most days asking people if they had anything they wanted to? get rid of or or maybe there was something that you could buy and then like you said try to turn a profit on it well the the scooter when i was 14 gave me a bigger radius than my bicycle did <laughs> so i could i could swath a larger path than i did before but uh you know i kind of just did it as sort of a fun side hobby but yeah i used to set up at the wild rose antique show uh, as a youngster and um i'd be there there'd be i remember occasions where i'd, I'd be there with my dad and i was you know 
10, 11, 12 years old, and I'd be next to 60, 65-year-old, 70-year-old people doing the same thing, you know. Um, but, yeah, I had customers coming by our house, you know, trading and haggling, and <laughs> it teaches us some good skills at a young age. So now you're 40, correct? I am 40, yeah, but, yeah <laughs> hey, that's true. 40, congratulations. It's a great age. I made, you, I made it this far. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so take us in. You've, you've clearly had decades of experience. What What does it take to have the eye for an antique? I think that when it comes down to it, it it's your your gut tells you whether something is interesting. It's going to be whether it's visually uh, or the colors or the material. If you think it's cool and you go, huh, that's neat, uh, somebody else is going to think the same thing. So a lot of times it's just a real gut instinct in terms of what you think is going to be interesting. Um, now, on the other hand, if you're somewhat educated and you've gone, like I've read a lot of antique books and used to watch Antiques Roadshow for fun when I was a kid, as I'm sure a lot of people did. Um, but you get to know what sorts of things are a little bit more collectible than others and what to avoid. Trends shift a lot. Um, so things that were really popular, you know, 20, 30 years ago, like uh, old oil lamps or dinnerware or fine china isn't as popular now. Um, there are collectors for it, but it's not as hot of an item as it once was. So... We know you have your your business. It's in West Edmonton, correct? It is, yeah. And we're going to be moving pretty soon to a new location, which I'm excited about. Oh, congratulations. Whereabouts in the city? Uh, near 124th Street. We found a heritage building. So now we'll be an antique store in an antique building. Oh, It'll that's, make a lot more sense. that's perfect. Um, so, so now that you kind of have a home base and then a new home base still, are you still out and about searching for these things? Or do they have a way of kind of showing up in the shop? Well, I kid you not, I am pulled over just north of downtown right now i'm on my way to a pick somebody came into my store just today and uh had heard about the store and they have an entire collection of antiques that they want to downsize so i am going there with my checkbook ready and an empty vehicle and after i got off the phone with you i'm going to somebody's house to look at their 65 year collection of antiques and hopefully come back with uh, what i think are the cool ones and this is something that you you've obviously done more than once alex you you have traveled to different homes and have, have uncovered some incredible items yeah, I have found some amazing things. Um, this year, um, I found uh, a signed uh, letter from Sir John A. MacDonald um, and an original bar of music penned by uh, Calice Lavalley, who wrote O Canada. Um, last year, I uncovered the 1939 Royal Tour car that was used by King George all across Canada, which is now at the Reynolds Museum. Um, I found um, a wedding gift that was given to Sir John Franklin on his wedding day uh, of the Franklin Expedition, whose ships they just found. Um, I've found some really amazing things, and I, and I think there's a lot of really cool stuff, and this has mainly been around the Edmonton area. Um, I haven't had to travel to the U.S. or go anywhere. I've found a lot of stuff locally, um, and I, I think that most houses have one really special thing in it, and my job is to try and find that special thing, that heirloom piece that people are just ready to move on. That feeling when you finally do come across something obviously must be incredible, but then walk us through that process of authentication because people have run into that issue before. You know, they, they've come across an item and it's believed to be something, but it's actually a knockoff or it's not what they thought. What sort of process do you have to go through to verify its authenticity? Well, in the case of the um, 
the Sir John A. Franklin wedding gift and in the Sir John A. Macdonald letter, they both came with extensive documentation from the prior owners, um, including authentication from the government and auction houses they've been through and stuff. So for me, a lot of the work had been done there. But um, I just bought a, a very large collection of watches. And uh, when it comes to authentication, there was six or seven Rolexes in that assortment. Now, um, half of them weren't real. And you have to really investigate. You have to um, uh, open the backs and then look at them and look for serial numbers and make sure that everything is good. So um, some of it is just really research and knowing your stuff. Um, but on the other hand, when you get a one-of-a-kind piece, um, you know, you, you follow the leads and, uh, and go to the right people and find out, uh, find out its past, find out its story. I love that you're, I mean, I, you're painting the picture of almost like a, a detective searching for, for the history buried in Edmonton. Do, are there projects that keep you tied up for days digging through all of this? Uh, yeah, and some of them I still have sitting on the back burner that I'm waiting to, you know, investigate or look into further. And then you, you find it later and go, all right, I was supposed to look into that. <laughs> it's kind of fun. Um, but yeah, there was... Um, uh, a while back, I bought a house that was completely filled with um, rare early Canadian artwork. And um, just going through that and learning about these artists and learning about their stories, it was quite an ordeal. That took several months to go through um, and discover who all the different people were and, and what role they played in Canadian art back in the 1960s. But, you know, you learn every day. And um, that's what's really fun about the job is that uh, I'm the first to admit that I definitely don't know everything. I'm a really good generalist. I, I know when I should learn about something and when I shouldn't. <laughs> but then, uh, you know, you find yourself learning more about art or Canadian history or, or anything, really. And it's all through these objects. And that's the most interesting part of this job. Alex, is there anything in your current possession that you would not get rid of? Other than my family, no. <laughs> you know, the objects are, are just that, they're objects. And I have some that are special. Like, I, I will admit, I'm not trying too hard to sell the Johnny McDonald piece. We have it at the store, but it's not, you know, I'm not pushing it really hard because it's really cool. <laughs> um, but no, at the end of the day, I'm, I love meeting people and I love going on adventures. So for me, I, I'm prepared and ready to sell these things at a, at a drop of a hat. Um, and I'm just always out for the next adventure and the next item. Is there one thing out there that you want to find that you have your heart set on getting your hands on one day? Uh, you know, I would love to find at some point, like, um, I, like we're, we're renovating this uh, general store, and so I'm trying to find appropriate types of signs and fixtures and cabinetry, which, you know, doesn't sound that exciting. But for me, I'm, that's what I'm looking for personally right now, that I'm hoping to come across antique general store cabinets and shelves and display cases to make this store look fantastic um, so that it gives people of Edmonton a great experience when they walk in. So that's the thing I'm looking for. But in terms of general objects, um, no, I, I have enough toys surrounding me all the time anyway to keep me busy. <laughs> Alex, before we let you go, is there an Instagram or a Twitter where people can find you, your objects to sell? Absolutely. So we're on Facebook under Curiosity Incorporated. We're on Instagram at Curiosity Inc. Y-E-G. And you can look us up on YouTube where we do a little YouTube show. And if they want to watch me find this stuff, I post videos of me going on these adventures and then showing me go through boxes and, and digging stuff out. So they can watch that there too. Perfect. Alex Archbold, owner and curator of Curiosity, Inc. Thank you, Alex. My pleasure. Have a great day, guys.
We just got off the phone with Alex Archbold, who is an owner and curator of Curiosity Inc. And he is so cool. Yeah, I love that he started when he was a kid too. Just picturing him as a little entrepreneur at nine and ten years old, cruising around the streets of Edmonton on his scooter, trying to you know haggle with people to try <laughs> and acquire products. Like that one box of uh, of the little cars that he bought for a dollar, and then flips it over for a hundred bucks. And I mean, forty years ago, in you know nineteen seventy nine or nineteen eighty, as a nine or a ten year old kid to get. A hundred bucks after buying something for a dollar. Big money. You would have felt rich, right? I would feel rich currently if I <laughs> if this happened to me. But just a cool story. And he has such a strong passion. And I love that he goes into homes. And people are saying, hey, just come on by. Take a look around. I'm willing to get rid of, you know, X amount of items because I'm just, I, I have too much stuff. And he goes in there and, and digs away. Were you a collector of anything as a child as a or kid, adult? As a kid, I collected hockey cards. I had binders and binders and binders of hockey cards, but not nothing of value. They were oh, just okay. the little... You know how uh, back, back then you'd go to the barber shop or whatever and you get a package of hockey cards would be like six in there yeah but you'd get the same player 40 times over and you wouldn't find any rookie cards or anything of actual value that i could go to a place and sell it for anything but it just it was just an obsession as a kid every time i got the cards open it up see who i got put it in a in a binder and and go from there so i must have had at least half a dozen binders full of hockey cards that is a lot of hockey cards how about you i collected archie comics hardcore oh, as yeah? a child you oh still yeah have them? oh yeah they're all in my 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 family's house and i, I had like old ones too like and then katie keen and all the different variations i i know this sounds like a weird amount of archie comics i think i had two thousand holy smokes like i would roll up on my bike to the garage sale, wow. scope it out, go home, be like, mom, we got to go. I got $20 in my pocket. I need the car. And then there were just, because I mean, it was kind of like that thing where the kids, the kids are growing up and then the parents are like, well, what am I going to do with all these comments? Right. I knew what I was going to do. Yeah. I'm like, bring that. One time I think I got 200 comics for like 20 bucks and I just, I put them in the back of my parents' car, went home. I used to, um, when I was feeling uh, like I had a lot of time on my hands, I would build a tower of Archie comics around myself and then I would sit in it and then I would pick one off the top and read it and put it back. That's a hell of a collection. Oh, like two thousand. Yeah, I, that's a I, lot. I think I probably should check to see if any of them are worth something because I have an inclination. I mean, not like big money, but probably no, like no. five bucks, ten bucks. That's, hey, whatever. I loved them. I think I'm going to go, I might go home and read Archie comics tonight. Well, that's, uh, you know, some people too from when I was a kid was Pokemon cards that I'm sure a lot of them have held onto or sold because there were certain Pokemon cards that you that were rare finds and selling those could actually garner you some cash. And I collected Pogs for a long oh, time yeah. too. I, I, my parents must have been so frustrated. Just like, you know, they embrace you having a life and enjoying these things, but at the same time, they they were the ones years later being like, "All right, well, he's 16 now. He doesn't care at all about these pogs or these hockey cards, and just threw them out at a garage sale and let them go." My parents have been pressuring me to get rid of my comics, which are fairly taking up space in their property, and I'm like. No, but I just keep on tossing out like those could be worth money. And then I think they're both like, that's, this is a good point, something in here. So they just like, they let it go. But it, I mean, 
it's hard to part with. Yeah, and a lot of other, you know, I've noticed something too is a lot of uh, our parents around our parents' ages, they uh, they have like ping pong or not ping pong, sorry, but pinball machines. That's something that from their generation that they wanted to acquire to have, right? Because My dad's the ar- got pinball machines. Well, there you see exactly in the arc the arcade just it went away. It, like it around late 90s it just vanished there were no more arcade games but you know your dad's in his early to mid 50s lived through the arcade era and it clearly it meant something to him so having one at your place is is not surprising at all he is passionate about miss pac-man yeah, I like don't if blame you, him. If you talk to him in Galaga, there is we we actually have a, a Galaga machine in the basement, which he like fi- he's very handy. He fixed it up, got it working again, and the because um, apparently there was like a stance when you played the Galaga machine, you would put one foot up on on the machine, and then you would hit the buttons rapidly to fire the little space aliens. And so on our machine, that part is scraped away from like years of people playing it, and it's like the most authentic thing ever. And I remember the first time I would play it, he was like, I was like tap. Up. And he's like, no, you have to get the you have yeah. to get the fighter into here, and then the the two machines will be. I mean, it's confusing to me still, but uh, the arcade was just a fantastic experience. I remember going with my dad as a five and six year old kid, and if I had the money, I could have spent all day in there, the endless amounts Instead, of games. Instead, you spent it on hockey cards. Brad. I spent it on hockey cards, but it was just such a great time. I mean, you as a kid, imagine you know you you walk in. It's lights and sounds and video games. I mean, at six years old... <laughs> That's I, what it's all what, about. What more could I ask for? <laughs> I'm looking around. I'm practically lost. What game do I play first? What do I play after that? And it was just a fun outing. And, uh, you know, uh, you just don't... You, there are no more arcades anymore. It's too bad. Oh, there's one in my family <laughs> space. <laughs> if you're looking for an arcade, <laughs> just head over to Morgan Black's parents' place. This is you- not an open invitation. <laughs> go, go, don't go to their house.